0: Hi, this is Oliver from Statement Radio. Hope you're well and are enjoying a good week. Welcome to Statement Radio, and welcome to episode seven of our podcast series, which provides you with a personal insight into the worlds of artists, curators, and collectors who are lighting up contemporary art and culture. Today, we discuss mental health with Sarah Hollyborn. Sarah is a rising British fashion designer who is on a mission to normalize conversations on social issues. Each of her collections highlight people's real stories and experiences, where some are extremely deeply rooted. Sarah also campaigns and volunteers for Time to Change, and is a public speaker, giving talks on a broad range of topics around mental health. During our conversation with Sarah, we explore the driving force behind her making mental health a focal point of her creative practice. We discuss how people can improve their well-being through periods of isolation, and consider what we can do as a society to help end the stigma around mental health. We hope you enjoy, and without further ado, let's jump into it. Okay, so welcome to the show Sarah. It's great to have you here and thanks for taking the time to engage with us in a discussion about mental health. So. The first thing I really wanted to ask you is that mental health and social issues are very much at the forefront of your business. So, what was the driving force in in making that a focal point?
1: Um, so, thank you for inviting me on, Oliver. Um, so, I think the f- the main drive for me is that I've from an early age I've suffered from my own mental health experiences mm-hmm. um, from the age of eleven onwards, and I've also ha- got family members close to me who have. Had their own struggles with mental health too. Yeah. Um, so I've been exposed to it from a very early age, and I've been also exposed to shame and the guilt that surfaces from that too. Okay. So it's always been a real personal subject for me.
2: Okay.
1: I've always um felt sad and angry that you know people have to go through this form of Shame and guilt, or you know, wanting, needing, feeling the need to hide their experiences or their struggles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I've, and also I've, I've had, I've got a big passion for sewing. It's what feeds my soul. So to be able to combine the two together was like a massive light bulb moment for me. Really, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I realised a couple of years ago that if I was to um, carry on my career in fashion, I want, I wanted to make sure that my pieces were there to make change and to start a open dialogue on important issues that are happening in the world because, you know, I, I my garments aren't just a pretty piece of clothing to buy on the rail. Like, they've got substance to them. They've got a message and they've got deep-rooted storytelling. Wow. Um, so it's, it's a it's a perfect fit, really. And I do believe fashion is a form of art.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And art in itself always is there to provoke some form of emotion and create change and to highlight things whether it's even in a positive or negative way it's there to highlight something mm. so, yes it's a really powerful platform I believe fashion is um and I chose social issues because it broadens my um themes more so it means that I can carry on this you know this area um for many years really um mental health does feed into pretty much any social issue because mental health is something that everyone has okay. whether it's um good or bad for someone so yeah I just yeah I feel like um yeah social issues is a is a good starting point um my current collection on mental health
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I took experiences my own experiences um with mental health and I also interviewed people with these specific mental health conditions so when, my, when I do bring out my next collection, it's going to be on trauma. And again, I'm interviewing people. Um, and the base for every collection is going to be based from people's experiences, because that is the most factual form of information you can get, really.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I believe that it's, it's a great way to give a platform for people to voice their experiences as well. Um, and perhaps they might not be able to voice it in any other way. So to have that
0: safe space as well is really important for the brand yeah and th- that's something i've found as well when i visited your studio beforehand and you taught me through a few specific pieces it really was you can appreciate what you do on two levels there's the artistic creative side of things and then like you say there's there's awareness which is driven by real people's stories and i remember. Uh, when you invited me to your studio beforehand, and we were looking at all these different pieces, it was such a great platform to use those pieces to really kind of get to grips with different conditions. And I certainly, you know, went away from those sessions learning a lot more about mental health in general, but also about specific conditions and, and stigmas around those. So, um,
1: wow! Yeah, I think you're
0: absolutely right. It's a that's
1: that's really it's
0: a powerful powerful platform. Yeah. And um, it sounds for you as well. That's the it's the perfect combination. Me being a mathematician, I was thinking Venn diagrams. You know, you're looking for that crossover between two things. Yeah. So if sewing was a natural passion, and then you had the mental health um, experiences from personal experience. then what you're doing now is kind of the perfect crossover, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I um, yeah. Wow, that's really nice for, nice to hear that that you came away learning more as well um,
0: mm.
1: because I, yeah. you know you are very much into mental health so that that's um, yeah that's a really lovely compliment thank you so much that's really kind of you
0: you're welcome yeah I mean mental health is a complicated I mean, even if you take individual conditions then there's so much just about one
2: yeah
0: condition specifically isn't there that that goes into it and these are all very complicated so i think the way you go about it shining a spotlight on mental health as a whole but also individual pieces as well is a a perfect approach for that reason you mentioned earlier that you know mental mental health is something that we're all affected by um that's obviously been (laughs) catalyzed a little bit further through the pandemic in that suddenly we've all also kind of felt this isolation through lockdown and the sort of long-term consequences so Uh, what can people do to improve their their mental health during, well, maybe even possible periods of future isolation if we go into lockdown again?
1: It's a really interesting question because um, I did notice when lockdown began, some people were feeling anxiety um, for like the first time ever, which was really interesting Mm. um, because I, I, I found it quite, not that I found it, it's not that I was happy that people were feeling anxious, but, I found it in a way positive for mental health. Like the subject in general is that you know more people are experiencing it, so then more people potentially can be more understanding and create more empathy. Um, I feel like to for someone to keep their mental health up afloat and in in positive um, spirits and whatnot. Um, I think like there's many things people can do. For me, for me personally, I I noticed that um, it's very easy. So I I suffer from anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also suffered from agoraphobia in the past as well. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I'm very, I I can easily lock myself in a room, like days on end and just work because that is a form of escapism for me. But Mm -hmm. with that, it means that, you know, I might not be socialising as much or I might not go outside and have any fresh air for days. (laughs) And so... it, it's like it's a weird parallel, you know. Like, I want in one aspect it's helping me because it's distracting me from my mental health, but also it then creates this other, um, form. So, it's also all about getting a balance, really. I think, yeah. um, for yeah. anyone as well, um, you know, to make sure that you are able to go outside and have a bit of fresh air, even if you're in London. You know, I know that air's not like massively fresh here, or in, in the city, <laughs> no. but, um, it does really help. And it also for me um if I'm able to I have a few people who I can go to when I'm struggling with my mental health and I know that they're not going to um judge me or anything like that they'll just listen to me um so if someone is able to find at least one person that they're able to go to and just chat with mm. you know you don't even need, need to talk about your what you're struggling with just to have a conversation because we as humans we crave um communication and other humans um, yeah. and we need it to survive really yeah. so to make sure you have someone to chat with um, especially if you live on your own as well um, you know you can just text someone call them up and um, even email them <laughs> whatever <laughs> you do to uh, communicate with people I think it's so important and also I've, I've um, reconnected with nature massively as well
2: yeah.
1: um, when I was in lockdown I was there was a few spots that I knew of in my small town that I went back home to in Somerset. And I would go there and I would listen to a podcast or I would just, you know, take in the nature. And it's just, nature's so beautiful. Um, I feel like we can easily become consumed in our own little bubble, um, like work, eat, sleep. And to take an hour or even like 20 minutes to just go outside and go for a walk
2: Mm.
1: around some form of trees um or animals is so important for your mental health Mm. um I I don't think people realize like how beneficial it is and that's something that doesn't cost you anything as well Mm. um Mm. I feel like sometimes people might think that they've got to spend loads of money to help with their mental health and of course there you know in some aspects yes you do um depending on what degree it is but you know just on a daily routine or Basis, just to go outside and spend time with nature mm. um is so so important mm. it's helped me
0: anyway yeah i wonder if um i mean hopefully we won't get another full-on lockdown like we did before but i remember that during those periods it, it was especially difficult for either people in the city or um people in apartments yeah. uh, and especially in those times where you couldn't go out like, apart from exercise And maybe some people weren't even taking that option. You just get strange, isn't it? When you're sort of forced into a bubble, it just becomes, I guess, simultaneously, like, safe and comfortable, but also destructive at the same time, being in that same bubble. Mm -hmm. And, like you say, going out walking and just reading more. Um, Another book about Vincent van Gogh and his brother and the relationship they had. And what, what really struck me was how much Vincent walked which was something they did together a lot as kids. And then he carried on doing it into, into adulthood. And um, uh, yeah, that really helped uh, him and his brother get on top of things and understand things about themselves and art, and uh, sort of that combination of taking a walk but together with someone, if you're allowed to. <laughs> Lockdown rules, depending. But, um, <laughs>
2: of course, of course.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's uh, what you're saying as well about reaching out to people sort of reminded me of, I remember when you, uh, years ago when I was at school, um, when you were on trips and stuff, you we were often forced to have a like a trip buddy. Yes. <laughs> to, you know, make sure that we weren't falling down wells or anything. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of applicable to mental health as well. Like you said, having those, you know, go-to people that you can feel safe to... Um, have a conversation with yeah without judgment
1: yeah that's so true that's um i never really thought about making that connection It's so is so important um and there's always at least one person someone is able to go to you don't need to have many friends yeah um you know if if anything just having a few selected are way more valuable than you know 50 plus friends (laughs) um it's interesting you said about Vincent van Gogh, Um, he always went for a walk. I didn't know that, but it makes sense because a lot of his paintings are of nature. Um, And, you know, everyone knows that, well, most people know that he did suffer with his mental health too. So even back then, like that was so beneficial for him, for his mental health. And, you know, things haven't changed in terms of that for, you know, many, many years.
0: Yeah, that was, I mean, it was strange because obviously he was, I think he died in 1890, so well over 100 years ago, but there's still a lot of similarities that I'm feeling. Yeah. By reading these books and the letters between him and his brother. and The the sad thing was it it was mentioning mental health in this book and saying that, uh, I believe Sigmund Freud was a few years younger than Vincent. So whilst Vincent was alive, there's this other guy, Freud, um, making the 1st inroads around talking therapy and, um, well, I'm not a Freud expert, but he was obviously quite pivotal in, in that side of things. And um, Yes, definitely. Yeah, he, I think Vincent uh, really had some stamina. Also, he walked a lot in later life because he didn't have any money uh, for trains and things. It, even stories of him walking 50 miles, that's quite something um, and often without barely any food either so um, oh my gosh. yeah interesting interesting dynamic there that obviously things have come a long way but there's still still feels s- some similarities you know certainly him being able to confide in his brother and mm. perhaps, well, you know a small handful of other people and be out in nature and take walks as well he was you know unknowingly doing these things to help him so it must have just been kind of instinctive at the time
1: yeah well maybe it is instinctive for humans to be in around nature like we have to
0: Mm.
1: um it's so important
0: yeah for survival yeah and it's something that a lot of us don't do especially those who are in towns and cities it's yeah like i said it air, the air isn't always the cleanest. (laughs) um, (laughs) But even just a a walk around the block, um, seeing life. I remember it was the same for my sort of favourite 80s band with Smith. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, reading about Morrissey. uh, That was his vice as well. You know, he'd get so stuck in his own head that, that the only release he ever got was going out walking around his... Area of Manchester and that in time sort of fed his inspiration. So it was a nice kind of, what's the opposite of a vicious cycle? When it's a cycle where one thing feeds into another, but it's positive. So yeah, it's got a long history of that and creativity as well. and
1: I guess like a positive
0: cycle? Yeah, positive cycle. (laughs) We'll have to invent a a phrase for that. (laughs) So um, I know that another area that you've spoken about before is self-harming so um is there any kind of general advice you can give for people who are maybe feeling that way inclined during isolation or during any other times
1: it's a it's a tricky one because everyone will have everyone will have their own unique experience and everyone will be drawn to some different kind of form of self-harming
2: um
1: so from my personal experience um so I, I used to self-harm a lot when I was a teenager. Um, I haven't self-harmed regularly since I was 17, and I'm 24 now. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it is it is still in the back of my mind sometimes, um, especially when I'm in a very dark place. Mm. I do get that craving. Um, you know, it's not something that's ever gone away, mm-hmm. but also it's not something that I think about 24-7 anymore either. Um, and for me to... Overcome that is how I I basically became. I basically turned one um, craving into another craving. So I I I took this I took the self harming and then put it into my creativity, and that is a form of um, distraction for me. So when I do feel that those cravings, I go to creativity, even if it's not sewing. You know, even if it's just like painting or collaging or whatever. Mm. um, I go to that form of distraction. So. If you are able to find a form of healthy distraction, I would cling on to that (laughs)
2: Um,
1: because it's so beneficial um, for you. Um, And also, you know, I mean, so when I was self-harming a lot, there were a few things that I did that helped me. So I I would have like a rubber band around my wrist and I would like snap it on my skin instead of wanting to self-harm or I would put an ice cube on my arm um but that was really when I was like in the thick of it and wanting to do it all the time Uh, Um, but now now that I don't do it so regularly you know it's having that creativity is literally what I I cling on to really
2: um
1: and also it releases the same um like endorphins and serotonin that you get when you are self-harming so sorry I have to reiterate that um When you self-harm, you know, these chemicals um, come out, like serotonin and um, dopamine and all those kind of happy chemicals. And when I'm creating, when I'm, you know, literally thinking something up in my head to then making it by hand and then visually seeing it, um, I, I do get the same form of release as in, like, you know, the endorphins and the dopamine. So it is literally just, like, turning one habit into another habit really but making yeah. sure that it's a positive habit yeah. because of course there are loads of negative habits as well that people can have
0: yeah well, i was just thinking that with um you mentioned those chemicals that are release, so are they're the same ones that people talk about with social media and the sort of hit that you get when you get likes and things like that i
1: I believe I can't so. Really, I'm gonna
0: have to go I'm gonna have to Google the, the chemicals though, but it did ring a bell there as soon as you yeah. mentioned them and I thought I bet for a lot of people that's become their their sort of outlet and their vice, especially during isolation and lockdown and whatnot.
1: Definitely. I think so many people are addicted to social media and it you do get you do get the same chemicals. It's it's basically like the happy chemicals that we all get. And you get them from lots of different things, but obviously some things are more intense than others, um, mm-hmm. so that hit that you'll get um, will have different degrees of intensity
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and of course you know once you go up you, you do come down as well so it's that element of it too which can then become really dangerous um, and I do think that you get the same chemicals from when you maybe get a like on Instagram or Facebook, mm-hmm. not everyone of course but um, it is a it is a dangerous thing that you can easily get sucked into and not realise mm. that you're going down that path until you're, like, in the thick of it. Yeah. Or maybe never, you know?
0: Yeah, I wonder if if um, part of the reason it's so addictive as an outlet is it's really easy and accessible. It's literally, I mean, I've got my phone right next to me now. I just have to stick my thumb on it and I'm in. And I can scroll and because i was thinking as well you know creative outlets are fantastic but i love that saying um the hardest yoga move is getting onto the mat.
2: Mm, and there's yeah.
0: someone who you know i casually kind of dabble with music and writing and photography and sometimes i'm like ah, even just to pick the guitar up plug it all in tune it up blah, 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 blah. why do that when i can just <laughs> Get my fix of those chemicals uh, on a phone. Do, <laughs> do you have any ever have any? Um, uh, I mean, in terms of your creative outlet, is that is that become an easy thing for you to slip in and out of engaging with?
1: Do you mean like online or
0: in terms of like your well, either I suppose. Um, maybe we think about your specific creative practice. Is that always? Is it kind of inspiration led? You were mentioning earlier that, you know, you get, you get that excitement when you have an idea and you're posing ideas in your head. Or do you sometimes find it um, difficult or frustrating to get in that kind of creative groove of inspiration? Or is it kind of there when whenever you need it?
1: No, of course. No, no, no. There are times when I've got like the creative writer's block, I guess. Yeah. um I don't know what the term is for designers but yeah I definitely get that oh my gosh yeah I've I also noticed that if I take any longer than like two weeks off from any form of sewing I find it very difficult to get back into that um mm. groove of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah which sucks really because it's like well then it's like I can never have a holiday like it, <laughs> yeah I don't know it's a weird one I've got to, I've got to balance it all in a healthy way but um yeah I, I definitely struggle um but it's not always. Um, sometimes I feel like I've got to let it... Like, if I'm struggling with something or if I'm thinking, like, too hard about something, sometimes I've got to learn to let it go and then wait for it to just, like, pop up in my mind. Mm. And, and you know, like, 99% of the time it always does. Um, a lot of ideas I get literally just pop into my head. Mm. Um, so I, I always want to make sure I don't have too much pressure on myself for it. And I want to give myself enough time to... Yeah, you know let it manifest in in my mind yeah um and also I've noticed that to help me with my creativity and for my inspiration I definitely and I'm quite lucky with my form of creativity that I don't need to always be near the laptop or the phone I can literally turn everything off and just work with my hands, um and that is so important for me to do now and again because not only does it is it therapeutic for me but also it, it, it makes me feel like um my ideas are more unique because I'm thinking up things in my head instead of looking at something online right. and then potentially literally just copying that because it's so easy to do that so if you are able to like get into your own little headspace um you'll be very surprised at what you'll create really
0: yeah and I think maybe the the other powerful thing about creativity as a whole is there's so many different outlets.
2: Oh yeah. that
0: you can go into yeah. and I was just thinking back to um oh, who was it Tom York from Radiohead I th- I think I remember him saying in, in in an interview that or or another musician was saying that, that Tom tells me that when he's got kind of writer's block from a music perspective he just draws.
2: Mm. So
0: he he kind of he turns to something that isn't his Obviously, he's known for his music, and that's that's all where the pressure is as well. Got to make that next record better than the last, or you know, whatever that. Is. And it, or it's all you know, especially at that level, everything that you release is very much in the public spotlight. So you got that extra scrutiny. Yeah. So then he turns to drawing, which is something that he can just do completely for himself without any pressure on an outcome. And I wonder if that's you know we're speaking about creative block and sort of getting into that state of flow maybe it's good to have a mix of creative outlets that you know some some that have different pressures others that have no pressure or expectation you can kind of just be free
1: I yeah definitely I think it's so important I am what do I do um so I do cross stitching I don't know if you know what that is okay okay. um so I, I just do that I do that in my own spare time I usually make them for like as presents for people
2: oh nice
1: um and it's so therapeutic um but yeah there's no pressure with it unless like there's a birthday deadline or something but um for me it's it's just yeah a way of doing something different you know um and I I have noticed that if I do do some form of creative practice that's different to what I normally do it actually really helps me re evaluate my actual work and go to it with a fresher mind um because there is there is that moment where you're doing this other creativity and there is no pressure. So, like, you're you're relaxing, I suppose. And, you know, you're relaxing your mind and your body. Um, I also love cooking as well. That's really useful for me. Um, and I've definitely got back into reading a lot since lockdown. Um, and also, yeah, painting as well. I'm not very good at painting,
0: but... <laughs> But that's the thing, if you've got that armoury where you've got some things there where there's no pressure to be good. And I I think I I have this theory that maybe that's part of where creative block or writer's block comes from. It, It normally seems to be around the field in which you're kind of known for. Yes. If that makes sense. So if you're a musician, it's your music. If you're a painter, it's your painting. But having other things that you can turn to that has no... No pressure on it, and it can just be for you. And I mean, to take it to further extremes, I was kind of thinking back to that phenomenon of those like adult coloring books becoming really popular because you don't need to think; you can just sit there and colour.
1: Oh, I love them! And
0: easy to get into. There's no pressure on the outcome. It's just kind of getting into that state of flow. Yeah, um, with something productive and constructive.
1: And also, that's something anyone can do, really. You know, mm. some I, I work, I sometimes. Here, they're like people who um, are close to me that aren't creative. Like They feel like if they're going to do any form of creativity, they have to like be like the next Van Gogh or something. But it's not like that at all. Like If you can just find something really simple um, and that you enjoy, then do it. Absolutely. There's no
0: pressure. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's sort of taking that pressure away. So I think the combination of what we've mainly spoken about, having these different sort of arrays of creative outlets, yeah. But also interspersing that with going outside, going for walks and talking to people, that seems like a good kind of trio definitely, of different outlets that people can turn to beyond the sort of safety of social media and all those things that can be a bit destructive if you spend too much time on them.
1: Definitely. I think it's all about balance, mm. having the balance of many things. Um At all the same level, yeah, I think it's really important balance in life for everyone.
0: Yeah. I hope that will be a nice kind of positive legacy for this whole COVID situation is it's kind of pushed us to an extreme that most of us haven't had before, but it's also had let time, given people time to reflect as well, which you wouldn't normally have. I'm hoping that that will be part of the legacy for sort of people individually is that it's given a bit more perspective to find the right balance.
1: I hope so too. It's helped me. Well,
0: that's good. How has it helped?
1: Well, I guess um, before COVID, I was under so much stress um, with my work and always meeting so many deadlines. And I think just like because of COVID, it made me take a step back, even if it was just for like a day or two. And it just really like helped me reflect um, on you know what my values are in life and what my priorities are in life, and what I really want out of life, and what's important to me. Yeah, Yeah, just giving me that space to reflect, um, and I, I hope that was the same case for other people too, I, I do think it is, but I obviously can't speak for everyone, <laughs> but um, people close to me.
0: Yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it, it feels like it's we're all kind of in a similar boat there it's given that time for reflection and mm-hmm. bring some proper perspective as well because I, I don't know if you found this but before covid you can get so kind of far down the rabbit hole of just your normal routine and normal pressures and stresses it's, it's hard to kind of keep an eye on the bigger picture sometimes definitely um so to have this sort of prolonged period where we've all had to kind of take some chill time then then that's i think a good thing that will help people find that right balance in in all areas of life but the other thing I wanted to ask you about is um that mental health appears to be um a particularly important topic with young people why do you think that might be and and what can young people who want to tackle their mental health do to improve their situation
1: um why do I think that it's in young people well so I started to begin suffering with my own mental health struggles at age 11 like I said and
2: mm-hmm.
1: I do feel like you know when you're a teenager there's so many like pressures that are on top of you like social pressure, school pressure, you know you're going through puberty so like your body's changing um so it is gonna like exasperate these um you know your mental health mm-hmm. um and I I feel like if if people don't start talking or communicating about their mental health or, you know, what they're going through or their feelings and their thoughts at a young age, then it's very easy to carry that on in your adulthood. Um, so I, I do think that if mental health is able to be tackled within young children at an early age, then, you know, hopefully when they grow older, um, you know, their thoughts, they're able to communicate themselves more um, because, you know, if you aren't able to communicate your thoughts and emotions then in a way you you might end up suppressing it and then you know as a human you can only suppress for so long um so it's I think it's so important and I don't know about you but when I was at school there was like no information on mental health at all which I it was one of the reasons why I struggled so much and for so long that I did I wasn't I wasn't able to communicate it because I didn't have any information about it. So how are you supposed to communicate something that you don't even really understand yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And when I started to suffer from my anxiety at age 11, I didn't realise it was anxiety for years. You know, I was mm-hmm. suffering from these mm-hmm. physical um, symptoms that I thought was something wrong with my lungs or my heart. I was getting all these chest pains. Um, and I feel like, you know, if if I knew it was anxiety, then I would have been able to start coping with it you know and dealing with it mm. um in instead of getting to a point where I, I can't cope anymore and then you know it's really dangerous when you get to that level because you, m- you may end up doing something you might regret you know like overdosing mm. um and it's no one should get to that level um to realize that what they're s- suffering from is something that is you know you are able to get help mm. um you know it's not something that you have to feel like you have to carry with on your own for, the, for so long
2: mm.
1: um but I have noticed that mental health is becoming a lot more talked about in schools I've mm-hmm. been to, yeah
2: um,
1: I've given a few talks um at colleges and I've also gone into some primary schools as well wow. and I see that they are talking a lot more about um, mental health so I think it's fantastic it's great that you know it's being communicated more but I do feel like there's there's more, you know. We shouldn't just leave it like that, you know. Be like, oh, okay, well they're doing that, so we don't need to put any more work into it. I think it's a con- something constantly yeah. putting work into, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because it's everyone. Like I said, everyone has a mental health, so it's something that needs to be constantly worked on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do feel it's it's a good step forward that the topic as a whole is at least more kind of prominently in the public domain than it was probably even three, four, five years ago, Mm. um, which is a good first step. And like you said, hopefully it's the same case in that kind of school environment. You're absolutely right. When I was at school, which was unfortunately for me a bit longer ago uh, than than yourself. But yeah, just as you were speaking there, I was trying to remember, did we, you know, nothing comes to the forefront of my mind in terms of remembering that being mentioned explicitly. I'm sure it was occasionally, but not enough for it to stick in my head.
1: yeah, occasionally, I agree, yeah,
0: mm. and um in terms of what people can do to improve the situation, it sounds like your experience was such that you didn't know what was going on initially that 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 was the kind of first big hurdle, and I you know I had my own version of that as well. you know it took a long time to figure out exactly what was going on and you end up looking at the wrong you end up looking at the physical symptoms which is what i did as well um and not kind of going further and and figuring out the cause behind it and i i guess for younger people that's a good first step would be to open up to the right people or, or kind of just improve their own awareness of even you know the the various effects that anxiety can have which might not be aware of Definitely. unless they kind of study it and gets spoken about
1: yeah I think it would be great for people to first have a bit of an idea of what anxiety is and what depression is and other um mental health conditions and then hopefully they're able to speak up about it I, I fully understand that it's so difficult to speak up about your mental health struggles like I oh. 100% agree that it is not an easy thing to do like uh, for me it took me so long to get to a point where I would talk about what was going on in my head like there's so many negative thoughts and scenarios that go like around and around and around in your head um, and it's not easy at all but you know when I did start opening up there was this massive massive weight that was lifted um I remember like the first person I ever opened up to was um a counselor at CAMS, which is um mental health services for children and adolescents mm-hmm. and um I was 15, 15 yeah I was 15 and um I'd got gone through that the services because I'd overdosed so you know it, I got to a point where like I didn't I didn't want to carry on anymore and like I was saying like this is such a dangerous place to get to like it's not mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that way mm-hmm. um but well, I remember, like, when I first opened up to her, like, there was this massive weight that lifted, you know? It felt like someone really, like, wanted to... I know it's her job to listen, but it, it felt like, oh, this person, like, you know, is, is not going to judge me. Um, I had so much judgment and shame within my circle of friends in school. I didn't really have very um, healthy friend friendship environment, um, which kind of, like, made things a lot worse. Um, and, all, and, you know, my family were fantastic and I'm very close with them but sometimes those aren't the people that you want to go and talk to you know sometimes when you're at that age it's friends you want to go talk to mm-hmm. so you go and do that to friends and you get shut down like mm-hmm. it's so detrimental mm-hmm. and it makes you not want to open up like why would you want to open up to anyone else when you've been shut down like that so I think yes I went off on a bit of a tangent there sorry
0: <laughs> that's fine I'm a maths graduate I love a tangent it's all good um yeah I guess as well when I assume for a lot of young people as well that friendships are such an integral part of sort of identity and a sense of belonging that yeah if you get that rejection or they kind of snub it then yeah that must be very difficult in that situation is
1: yeah you take it very
0: personally yeah it's uh, so I guess the art of of opening up is finding the right person to confide in which again, for younger people, that, that must often be quite difficult to think, yeah. you know, who can I talk to uh, this about in an honest way where I'm not going to get judged. So, you know, hopefully that's part of the mission going forward as well, just thinking about that, that kind of school environment is having that sort of su- support network um, where younger people have got people that they can turn to. In
1: confidence, I think so, yeah. I mean, so I was having this conversation with a friend um, who's got two children, and um, I think it was something that she brought up like an idea is so some schools do have counselors or therapists that you can go to and speak to, and you know they're on campus, but sometimes their door might be quite obvious that if you're going down that corridor, it's obvious that you're going there. I, see. Um, yes. so I, I feel like m- maybe they can maybe place the counselor in a different area of the school or make it a bit more hidden or i don't know do something that's different so it's it's not always so obvious that someone is going to get help mm. um because then that <laughs> it exasperates the judgement side of things with um, your peers or just like maybe even yourself yeah um you know you, you want it to be like you want it to be a positive experience when you go and talk mm. to someone you don't want it to be like negative no, from the Absolutely. second you start walking yeah. towards it
0: yeah i wonder if i, I don't know uh, this is something for me to find out if there's an equivalent situation with uh, mental health as there is in sort of general um health practicing so obviously COVID has meant that for general like gp practices so much of it's done over zoom or whatever your video chat uh oh yeah platform of choices and the interesting thing is hearing that even after COVID, that they're probably going to carry at least bits of that one afterwards for the sake of efficiency and, and whatever else i wonder if if part of that is even the, the sort of um you know being aware of walking down a specific corridor whether there's some other way of at least having an initial chat with someone in confidence especially if people that's all we've kind of been used to over the last few months doing everything by phone call or video call i know it's not the same as doesn't quite have the same impact as in person, but I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some equivalence that can be looked at.
1: There is, a, yeah. But, um, so I, I know people who are in counselling or therapy and then went through lockdown and, you know, counsellors and therapists, do look, some of them anyway, do look to um, take it online. Mm. Um, but also, I don't know if you know of this organisation called Shout. They're the equivalent of Samaritans, but you can text instead of call. And I think ah, that's fantastic okay. for children and young people because as a young person when I was a young person sorry um <laughs> I did not want to talk on the phone to anyone um whether I even knew them really well it's just something I just mm-hmm. didn't want to do yeah um yeah so to have that where you can just text someone how you're feeling like I think it op- opens up so many more like it just broadens the whole spectrum really
2: absolutely um
1: and I I think it would be great if um some like maybe school counsellors could offer like an online aspect where the child can talk to them you know they don't need to go to that door
2: Um,
0: basically
1: Um, I I think I think it's definitely possible we'll have to do some research and see what's going on yeah yeah
0: I'm sure there'll be some good options out there and it's kind of become ironic that the sort of the, the function of a phone that gets least talked about is the phone you know we're so used to instant messaging and um, social media that actually yeah, using it as a phone or a video chat is like bottom of the list
1: <laughs> oh my gosh you're so right you know I like um I really just recently started texting again um because I'm, I'm trying to like not always message people on social media if I can just text them and that means that I'm not like potentially going to start scrolling endlessly um, or get distracted by mm, that's social media good idea. so i like gone back to texting and I'm like oh this is um a bit weird but <laughs> <laughs> so why is it weird it's be that weird it's just texting <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> it kind of all were, yeah texting for me as well it feels a bit nostalgic <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> from a few years ago before you know messenger stuff <laughs> and uh, whatsapp really uh and social media came to the forefront um it's um you, you tend to get a bit of Because I think social media is so light touch for people. I think a a lot of people use it for sort of scrolling and and sort of just sitting there and having a look at what's going on rather than sort of deep engagement. It's something that Mm -hmm. came up specifically within just an arts context within um, other guests that we've had on the show saying that social media is good for some form of connection, but it's very kind of light touch and doesn't kind of lend itself to deeper conversation, which make sense but at the same time like you say as a first kind of point of call it seems to be the thing that particularly younger people are most comfortable doing is messaging so yeah maybe having that as an initial gateway to start conversations and then you can always kind of go deeper into it from there I suppose
1: yeah it is it's a really tricky one because yeah everyone has different experiences with social media um it is a great way to connect with people um, especially if you know that you're connecting with someone that's abroad that you don't normally speak to or get to see in person, but then it's like you can easily, yeah, just get sucked down into that rabbit hole of like negativity. Um yeah. which, you know, I guess feeds in with the whole like addiction thing too, you know? Yeah. It's um, all about balance. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that <like> balance?
0: yeah. <laughs> I think that's a you know, it's a perfect running theme for everything that we've covered so far, isn't it? It's all it's all balancing that, getting that right middle ground between two extremes
1: yeah which is not easy no. but it is possible yeah with discipline I think.
0: absolutely so the the final thing I just wanted to get your take on is um what stigmas do you think still exist around mental health and what can we all do together to keep improving the situation
1: oh I mean there's so many stigmas still mm. yeah um and there's so many mental health conditions. I do feel like we've come a long way with depression and anxiety. We haven't, you know, come all the way, of course. But I do feel like people are talking about it a bit more. Mm. I feel like there's massive stigma against... what there's. It's hard to, like, just pick a couple, you know, because there's so many stigmas out there. Mm. Um, but I do feel like there's a lot of stigma still around, like, OCD, um with like passing comments like people people still make passing comments about things about anxiety and depression like oh I'm uh, like feeling really anxious Mm -hmm. but like are you or are you nervous about something that happens to lots Mm -hmm. of people you know it's it depends on there's like degrees of it you know it's Mm -hmm. like if it's getting in a way of your life on a daily basis then that is that's a problem yeah but if you're just nervous for you then I don't know, this is a tricky one. I feel like I hear still a lot with OCD, like people saying that they're OCD because they like things neat or, you know, they like things in a certain order. And it's just like, it it frustrates me a lot. I mean, I don't have OCD myself and I I don't really know that many people who have OCD, which is one of the reasons why I picked it for my collection is to explore it more and learn more about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just, it really irritates me when I hear people say that. But also... I try and not let it irritate me too much because they may have OCD. You know, I don't, you know, we, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors with people, but I do feel like, you know, if people try and think before they speak sometimes and not say these like passing throwaway comments right. um, in sentences, any mental health condition, really, then it can like alleviate the, the then potential stigma that it can then cause to um, the people around them or even like, to themselves, like, because the more, like, we think about, like, a stigma, then the more likely I will believe it or, you know, I, I don't know, it's a tricky one. I, I do feel like people need to be more educated on subjects. Um,
2: because
1: that is the, that's where we learn, you know, and that's where we become more open minded and understanding and more empathetic. Um, I also, um, I feel like there's a, so, I guess, from yeah, so from my collection, um, the ones that stood out for me a lot for, like, stigma-wise um, was OCD um, because people would, like, not not everyone, obviously, but some, some people would be like, oh, so are you going to do it like this or are you going to do it like that? And I'm like, well, no, because that's not really what the condition's about. And then I also had it a lot with schizophrenia as well. Um,
2: um, I
1: feel like some people think, well... I get there is this, like, negative connotation just to, like, the word itself.
2: Mm,
1: Yeah. It shouldn't be like that at all. But, unfortunately, it is sometimes because of the way it's portrayed in media and Mm. film stuff like that, you know, it's still a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you hear, like, in the news that someone might have a mental health condition, which is potentially why they committed a crime or something. And, like, sometimes they link it with schizophrenia and it's like, whoa, like, hold up, like, you know what, what makes you get to that um, connection or assumption?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, I, I felt like there was there's a long way to go with schizophrenia, and it's it's a condition that I'm really passionate about because I've got family friends, or I know people close to me who have schizophrenia. So mm-hmm. I can see you know pain that it causes, and I, it also experienced myself psychosis, um, which is not schizophrenia, but um, if you if someone has schizophrenia then they have psychosis, but you can have psychosis without having schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm.
2: Symptoms.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I I feel like there's massive, massive stigma against that. And yeah, when I experienced my psychosis, um, when I was seventeen and eighteen, um, I didn't tell anyone about it because first of all I didn't I didn't understand it. I didn't realise it was psychosis. And also it terrified me because mm. I felt like I was going crazy. Like if I set, tell this to someone, then like, what are they going to do?
2: Mm, um mm-hmm.
1: So I just feel like the yeah, just education is like the most valuable thing, um and just talking. Yeah. Because I feel like the more we talk, the more we can then learn to understand people's experiences, and then we can become more open-minded. And we can only do that by talking.
2: Mm, you
1: know, not mm-hmm. not suppressing it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, tricky one. It's a, it's it's a complicated one.
0: Yeah, it's. I think as well, the importance of talking as well, just kind of, it takes some of the, some of the noise away from, um, like you mentioned, with schizophrenia. Maybe most people's experience of that comes from horror films mm-hmm. or the media.
1: Yeah, there's so, there's so much negativity against schizophrenia in the media and the films. And it's like, well, why can't there be a story about someone who has schizophrenia and they're leading a very positive life? Because there are so many people out there who... Are leading a great positive life. You know the people close to me. You know they go to work, they have families, they're living their life. Of course, it's it's a very complicated mental health condition, and it's very serious, and there are struggles that come with it. Um, but also, you are able to lead a healthy life, and just having that ask that that like open dialogue of the positives from it. You know, it's it's so important because there are so many people out there who have schizophrenia and are you know they're not locked up like they they're yeah I just think and there needs to be way more positive light against it um Um, I actually I was very fortunate to have um someone called Johnny Benjamin come to my studio recently um and I was explaining to him the schizophrenia outfit and he made a really great point about the garment is that I don't know if you remember the garment, but it's the red one, and it's got pointed sleeves, mm-hmm. and it's asymmetric cut, mm-hmm. and it's um, a red Chanelly fabric. And um, he made a really good point that this garment is very elegant, it's very sleek, it's very clean, mm-hmm. and it's like that's the opposite to how schizophrenia is portrayed in society mm-hmm. media. Yeah. You know, they're, they're portrayed as this like dishevelled person that's really like disorganised, don't really know like what's going on. And it's like, well, that's not always the case. And so by like portraying it in this other way, it, it, it sheds that positive light on it, which is mm. some
0: important. Yeah, I think um that's another good kind of takeaway from this conversation is I like the idea of shining positive light on things mm. to show again it comes down to balance, isn't it? You know, it's <laughs> not I and I think that that um applies beyond mental health as well. I mean, I saw a, yeah. a post the other day with a, uh, like an imaginary newspaper, like a good news newspaper that said, you know, the headline was, like, 7 billion people didn't die today, and 50,000 planes land successfully. And <laughs> blah, 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 blah. it's maybe it's may, it's may human nature to just focus on the negatives, which in those cases, schizophrenia isn't even an accurate portrayal,
2: Mm -hmm. um,
0: as opposed to, uh, you know, looking at things from the other side. So, yeah, I think that's a valuable kind of dynamic to to getting this greater sense of balance as well. And um, just thinking about your earlier points about some of the other conditions like anxiety, depression, you're right, it's very complicated because you've got these different, um, different, uh, what's the right word, kind of intensities yeah like degrees things yeah that's it degrees and yeah that's that's why it can get very it's part of the reason it can get very complicated because mm-hmm. if, if I think about my anxiety the primary kind of physical or one of the primary physical things is adrenaline which like you said you would get in a normal mm-hmm. situation where you're feeling nervous so it is sometimes difficult um, to see things in black and white Mm-hmm. Which I guess is mental health as a whole is kind of it's difficult to kind of put things cleanly black and white, isn't it? Because there's it, so complicated and so individual as well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you find this as well, but I I usually, um, through reflecting myself and speaking to others as well, is it's like people seem to kind of experience it like a specific selection of different conditions that have been put neatly in boxes like i've haven't met don't think i've met really anyone it's just like just in the anxiety box or just the depression box or just the you know and i think that goes to show the how individual everybody is and that not every story is the same it's just a very complicated topic isn't it it's so
1: complicated Overall. I, agree, I agree with you there was, yeah no depression cases is the same and no anxiety cases the same um I, you know I, I've got anxiety but I'm sure my anxiety is not the exact same as yours mm. um yeah so it and there's that, something that's a message that doesn't need to be out there you know that like w- people need to understand that everyone's experiences are unique to them because
2: mm.
1: if you aren't aware of that and someone comes to you and says that they're depressed you know and then a family member or fr- fr- friend or whatever says to you like well you don't seem depressed, or like, well, that's not mm. what depression is, or it, it can be really detrimental, like, I, I had that growing mm. up in school, um, I was depressed, and I had a close friend say, well, you know, I'm, I have all this going on in my life, and I'm not depressed, so you have no reason to, to be depressed, sorry, um, so it's like, it's so, it's so detrimental, so if people do realise that, you know, it's, everyone's experience is unique, to them Mm. then that creates that more understanding and then
0: yeah yeah
1: mm.
0: yeah i think that's that's a good um good way to lead this discussion is just in terms of how how people can kind of help the the overall situation and for individuals going forward it's it's kind of not being dismissive of anyone's experience yeah and Mm. being more kind of curious about you know factual principles behind different conditions and talking more exercising having these creative outlets and uh i I think between those areas that we've discussed that that in itself is a nice balance
1: (laughs) i think (laughs) the those
0: different elements
1: (laughs) i think the (laughs) caption or the headline for this podcast needs to be balanced
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and i think it's just in, in in terms of kind of improving the situation it's i think it was uh it might be been Einstein or someone of that um, nature has got a good quote about balance in terms of, you know, when you're riding a bicycle to keep balance, you need to keep full momentum, you need to keep going forwards.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I, I feel that applies to us as a society as well. You can only really maintain balance, but I think both personally and, you know, in broader terms as a society, if we keep going forward, keep learning, keep the conversation going be more empathetic and just keep going forwards the whole time yeah and, uh, that's a great that's yeah that's the basic recipe yeah
1: balance Great, <laughs> i love that so much it's so true so true
0: well i'm just off uh to go on my bike now so i'll try and keep <laughs> that in mind to keep going forwards <laughs> <to avoid laughs> falling over and losing that balance but um, okay i think we'll uh we'll wrap things up there thanks so much for taking the time to have this discussion it's um It's something that, you know, as a society we need to keep talking about. And thanks for being so open about your experiences as well. And um, we look forward to catching up again with you soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. Our thanks go out to Sarah for taking the time to open up a valuable and diverse dialogue around mental health and wellbeing. Don't forget you can explore more podcast episodes written articles, and peruse through our online gallery of bold visual art at statementart.co.uk. Best wishes, and speak soon.